And welcome back to the DeathRollProds.com Movies and Television Podcast. It has been a minute. I'm I'm dead. Fuck. I'd have and a I'm burp. distracted by this wannabe white walker that Dad sent to me. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they took it. Looks like so. I understand what they're going for here. Yeah, I 100% do too, because like that is... So, so it's not context, the anti-monitor. For context. The CWDC universe is building up towards the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, for those that don't know what the crisis is, the Crisis on Infinite Earths is the crossover event. It was kind of the first of its kind, kind of the first like big universe-wide crossover thing, and it was the thing that helped kind of it was the thing that kind of like drove DC forward into like their post eighties era. Because it also saw a massive or like, or like their eighties onward era because it also saw like the, it saw the complete reset of the DC universe. It saw the death of the flash and it saw the death of Supergirl as well as a general reset of their universe and also their multiverse. I think they're going for like that anti-monitor, even though it still doesn't look like it. But this is the anti-monitor everybody fucking thinks of. No one can see that. No, I'm talking to you, Dad. There's we're recording though. I did a quick Google search for the anti-monitor, and there's one that kind of looks like the anti-monitor that the CW is doing. Only he actually has muscles. No, so here's what they're going for. What they are going for with this new monitor. So we'll. Again, CW is building towards uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and the big bad guy of that is the Anti-Monitor, a powerful being, like a powerful cosmic being who wants to erase reality, basically. Uh, he is from the Antimatter universe, and I can't actually remember his motivation. Was it just destroy? I think it's destroy? just destruction. Uh, I can't remember if he actually had a motivation. He eventually became like the power source for the Yellow Lantern Corps or something like that. Um, well, he, yeah, he, he, was, he, part, was, he was part of the, the Yellow Lantern. He was part of the Sinestro Corps, and then he also became uh, the main power battery for Alexander Luther, trying to br- trying to like bring the multiverse back to break it apart to make one perfect world. Oh God! What's the line? I'll kill uh, you to death. No, 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 no. Uh, it's like, you're ruining it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Fucking super bitch prime. God, that fucker. But anyway, so. To the end of getting towards Crisis and Infinite Earths, uh, they have been planting the seeds of this. They established a multiverse a long time ago. Uh, their last event involved uh, the Monitor. Well, one of the monitors, depending on depending on how you depending on which version they're going with, there is either one oh, monitor, fifty-two God. monitors, or infinite monitors, and they are all varying levels of incompetent. Yeah, the monitors are. Oh God, the fucking monitors. Yes, but so 
so the so the monitors they have a design. They have a, they have a, like the guys that design the show. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up to show you, Cave. Uh, anybody who hasn't seen anybody who hasn't watched the DC Universe stuff outside of Legends of Tomorrow, I don't blame you. You won't have seen him. Doesn't matter because it's outside of uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, basically. Uh, but the let's see if I can actually find a full body shot. That's as close as it's gonna get. Yeah, so the basic idea of what the little they're going for with uh, the that didn't okay. The basic idea of what they're seeing going for is just hey, what if the monitor had like that Michael Jackson operation, but it got fucked up. Hmm. Okay. Because okay. The, yeah, because the monitor in Arrow is black. And this monitor is, and the anti-monitor is very white. And his skin is all droopy and shit. And his armor is like the monitor armor, but it's all dark. And they moved moved the glowy bit off from his dick to his chest. There we go. Which is actually, like like I showed you, it is one of the depictions. Uh, Yes, that is the new 52 anti-monitor, where he is also a character with motivation. So they just made their anti they gave they gave their anti-monitor longer sleeves is the big thing it's the big change essentially yeah like the difference between the monitor and the anti-monitor is paler skin and long sleeves so this anti-monitor doesn't like the cold or he really likes the cold he actually just is one of those fucking white walkers from game of thrones (laughs) oh man yeah, the forest children just put a fucking dagger into a monitor's chest and then made him. References to stuff the caveman don't get. Yeah, because I don't watch popular television. That's fine. I tried watching popular television, or at the very least, new television that is trying to be popular, and fuck. I... I feel bad for multiple reasons, but the main one right now is I feel bad because I fucking run this way. I run this goddamn website and I have now essentially left every single piece of written content on the website to Cora. And I feel bad about that because a lot of stuff is bad. Yeah. And so just leaving that to, Cora to just fucking write and watch everything basically almost I feel bad because I'm not doing that too I also feel bad because like I started this you know with the with the thing of like hey let's do fucking criticism and now it is primarily in podcast form which in, in and of itself is a thing but I would like to get a more like constructed concise like hey here are my thoughts on a thing outside of just me sitting down with either you or a couple of our buddies and just going yo fuck this thing yo this thing was a piece of shit let's talk about how it was a piece of shit yeah or hey this thing sucked let's watch it yeah my the main reason that i prefer podcast format to written format is because i can actually get my thoughts out okay. whereas with written format i have a lot of trouble actually like 
well, yeah, I hated it, but now I have to follow a rigid structure to say why I hated it. Or, yeah, I loved it, but I, just saying why I loved it could take up 47 pages, and that is way too long to post. Now you can do that. I've posted, like, fucking 10,000 word posts. Yes, but I don't want to have to, for- to force the one person that will actually read it to read it. You mean me? Yes, exactly. I don't give a fuck. What the fuck else am I going to do? I'm getting back into reading books. I'll be fine. You're going to play Borderlands 2 with me. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so, yeah. this like, I have almost beaten Borderlands 3 in the time it has taken us to get back to Borderlands 2. Nice. And I got to a boss that I couldn't beat, so I was like, I'll take a break. <laughs> and I think it might be the final boss, so. Yeah, so I... So in this, so in this most recent um, TV speed bump, I can't really call it a season because like three shows came out. But it was Emergence and Prodigal Son. Those are kind of the two ones that were like, "Hey, we got new shows." Cora uh, watched Emergence mm-hmm. and was not a fan. He hasn't pulled. bitched about it to me yet, so it must have not have made that much of an impact. Yeah, I don't think it did. I think it was like a two out of five for him. Yeah, we've double. done worse. Oh yeah, we've we... done worse to ourselves willingly. We're currently doing worse. More Sabrina coming soon. Okay, so it was Why a two and a half. Why did I come back? Yeah, Why so... did I come back? Yeah, so he gave it a two and a half out of five. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, just very middling. And so the other one was Prodigal Son. And it was a show, it was a police procedural about serial killers with the main character being the son of a serial killer. Okay. And I was like, okay, that sounds more up my alley than Cora's. So I will try it out. I got 15 minutes in and shut off the show. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I was kind of expecting something like that. But it's still hilarious to me that that was your response to the show. (laughs) Because it is... The line that made me turn it off. Ooh, I love it when there's a line. (laughs) Those are the best ones. Yeah, our main character was standing in a morgue. uh, With our other cast of fucking... Who gives a shit? Lifts up, lifts up a blanket over a corpse and looks down at the corpse and was like, and was like, wow, you're a Picasso with a suture. Was that meant as a compliment? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, Picasso, the guy who's known for very clean. For his fucking abstracts. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to let you finish the bit. He does abstracts. Yeah, no, they, they just, look, just looked it up. There's just like a fucking like infinite circle cut in this dude's chest. It's like great Y incision. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that and I was just like yo fuck you like no that is A not a compliment B not what you think it means and C why the fuck are you doing this in a god what the fuck and to make matters even worse he he said that line in an, in an American accent trying to hide an English accent oh no honey don't oh no that's yeah. just bad. Yeah, so... That's just bad. Let's rewind a bit, because up until then, it wasn't exactly a fucking cakewalk either. <laughs> okay. 
So, show starts out with... Um, Coming fuck. soon, Prodigal Son. Probably, actually. Well, no, <laughs> not, no, actually, no. It's a police procedural. We will have nothing to talk about. One episode of Prodigal Son. <laughs> yes, I'll finish, the first, I'll finish the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> if it's terrible, I have to make the joke. You know that, Dad. I am aware. Uh, but just remember what happened last time I made a joke. I know. <laughs> I still haven't forgiven myself. <laughs> okay, see, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to look at this fucking... All right, so Malcolm Bright. Not that. An FBI profiler uh, who is who is currently who is like he is out in the woods surrounding this uh, surrounding this like you know barn slaughterhouse kind of thing uh, with a bunch of cops about re- about ready to go in and find and finally catch a serial killer. Unfortunately, the guy has a bunch of hostages, and they're going in blind because you know cops. Yeah, they never do any kind of uh, systems or procedures in order to observe their targets before they could potentially become a threat. Yeah, what do you think they are, cops? No, these are TV cops. Not just TV cops. Incompetent TV cops. Some of the most yokelist motherfuckers. Yokelist? Yeah, like, I'll get into it in a second, but they are like, they're like barely three steps above Billy Bob Teeth. Okay. This yeah, might so. be one episode of uh like do the return of the prodigal son just so that I can see this shit. Yeah, so Cuz I won't watch it on my own. <laughs> I'm probably I've I've probably fucking amplified it in my own head of just hatred. <laughs> I am known to do that. But You are, but I still think it'll be hilarious. Yeah, so so they're all getting ready to go in and Malcolm Bright just kind of looking up at the sky it's like it's a lovely day. And it's like, dude, pay the fuck attention. It's like, what? All right, yeah, sure. Gun. They head inside. Uh, Bright finds the guy and begins talking to him. Because like saying, hey, I can figure out what's wrong with you. And the guy begins lowering his gun of like, well, I'm a murderer. I'd like to know what's wrong with me. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 three shots from the back. Killer falls dead. Sheriff runs in. It's like, hell yeah, I caught a serial killer. To which Bright goes, you fucking dumbass. He was, he put his gun down. He was surrendering. He's like, now the fuck he wasn't. I just saved your life, boy. Everybody get in here. I caught him. So then Bright punches him in the fucking face and gets fired. Eh. So he, so at this point, we flash back a bit and learned that Malcolm Bright is not his real name. His real name is Malcolm Whitley, and he is the son of Michael Sheen. Brother of Charlie Sheen. No. This is a different Sheen. No relation to Charlie, no relation to Charlie, um, Martin, or Estevez. He is a Welsh actor who was recently in Good Omens. Mm. Then I'll probably be subjected to him. He is actually a really good actor, and I really like him. He's the reason I watched the show in the fucking first place. I'm only I only say subjected because my wife is going to make me watch Good Omens. Good Omens is fine. I want to. I don't. I want to watch it, but I just don't get around to watching stuff unless somebody makes me. Hi. Yeah. Hi. 
But yeah, so uh, his dad, yeah, his dad, Michael Sheen, um, another, so he's a Welsh actor who also has a very good British accent, who is also trying to hide his accents under an American accent. For some fucking reason. All right, we got two principal characters. Let's let's make them do accents they don't normally do and aren't particularly good at. That'll make our awkward dialogue more natural, right? Like, I've actually been trying to go through every single line that these two said and actually try to dub them over with with English accents. And honestly, it does come across better. Not good, but better. Like, there was a... There's an interview that uh, Tom Ellis, the guy who plays Lucifer in Lucifer, uh, that he did uh, like a while back when the show was still on Fox. And he said like in the early version of the show, like before they actually went to air, uh, they they tested him with an they tested him with an American accent and, and delivered his lines. And but test audiences thought he sounded like too much of an asshole. So he delivered the exact same lines in a British accent and they were way more forgiving. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it was a similar kind of thing here, which is if you had a, if you had to let the fucking dude do his natural English accent, and if you had to have fucking Michael Sheen match it, because he probably could and probably would be better at it than an American one, it would all sound less awkward. But anyway, Michael it's, Sheen. It, it's like actually it's, it's a common thing that like I don't understand why directors haven't picked up on yet. Actors sound better when they're doing their native accent. It's all—it's almost always painful when an actor is doing, like, oh, hi guys, I am American. Do you wish to go to the cowboy show? Hey, it's every- always fucking painful. Hey Jennifer, always. can you pass me the sprite? Yeah, it's... And they do it too much on fucking Power Rangers, worst of all. Yeah. Like, they have a fucking excuse almost every season to let actors use their natural fucking accent. <laughs> they never and do. it's just painful. Well, they, they have, they sometimes, they have to. They they gave uh, Xander, I believe, the right to use his accent. Yeah, and uh, also, um, dude in uh, Dino Charge, uh, the Black Ranger. He was also using his natural yeah, New Zealand yeah, accent. Yeah, he used his natural accent, too. Took me a minute to remember who you were talking about. <laughs> the skateboarder. The one who's about speed. But anyway, so yeah. Malcolm Bright's dad is a serial killer. Uh, and he he like he was known as the surgeon. He killed uh, like a little over a dozen people before being arrested and sentenced to life imprisonment. And from and so this was like when the when the Malcolm kid was eight, and then essentially from the ages of eight to him being in Harvard, he would visit his dad weekly in prison and talk about murder. So the show is all about how he becomes a serial killer, right? Um, the sh- it, it's kind of leaning more towards like a leaning more towards a Hannibal style route of just of like, Hey, this guy could be a killer and he could not be. He thinks like a killer and has similar tendencies, but is that nature or nurture? Who the fuck knows? Woo. We're doing Hannibal, but worse. That's basically the idea is that because he, because he is, because his dad was a serial killer, he is able to have an insight into the mind of a serial killer 
because of similar tendencies that he has. Okay. Which, and and the way this is shown is that it's a fucking he gets a weird flashback thing of the kill of the kills that are happening with a somewhat motif of a ticking clock. You know, like how when Will Graham, whenever he like fucking like this is my design, it would be like like a sweeping thing over the screen mm-hmm. that would just like remove elements and then bring things back to like the, what they were at the time of the murder. Yeah. With this, what it is is they essentially have they essentially have like every frame of a person moving layered over top of each other as they kind of rotate back and forth like a swivel. That that I think it's I think is supposed to actually be a similar kind of thing to like Will Graham's like ticking, but it just looks horrible. I could be reading way too much into this. Mm. Oh yes, yeah, so after getting fired from the FBI, he heads back to New York City, where his mom. New is- York City. Yes. Where his mom and sister live, which I'm pretty sure that's the only reason they didn't have those two guys do English accents is because the actors that got playing the mom and the one that got playing the sister couldn't do English accents. So he picked up his accent from his father and his sister picked up her accent from the <gasps> mother or alternate idea. Step siblings. And this is it. And this is his dad's second wife. He was originally born in England, and then his mom died under mysterious circumstances. They can't do that. No show has ever Phineas and Ferb done that before. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they could very easily work around this. They could write around it. But they don't. But anyway, his sister's a reporter, and she's like, hey, I gotta go. I got a story to do. And And then as he's walking out of the park, there's fucking... Lou Diamond Phillips. Is that who that is? Yes, it is. I was right. There's Lou Diamond Phillips as New York cop. And he goes, hey, I got some murder. Can you come look at it with your with your crime eyes? Look at it with your crime eyes. My brother. <laughs> I can't do. I can't hear the crime. I, I can't hear the your specialized thing and not do the my brand bit. It just makes me laugh. Legolas, tell me what your crime eyes see. Oh, she has an injection point at the base of her skull. <laughs> There's a slight inflammation which tells me it might have been a, a poison or, of some sort. <laughs> you can see slight. You can see slight ligature marks on her ankle, showing that she was tied and hung up by her ankles. However, the tape residue tells me that she was rebound with duct tape afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so it appears that she, she, ha- she was held somewhere else before being moved here. Which tells us that, in all likelihood, our killer is not local to the area as he used this for his dump site. We found some, we found some salt-like residue over in the corner. How right long are we going to do this? How long are we going to do this? How long are we going to do this? That long. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, and yeah. So he rolls into a fucking crime scene, looks at the body, and the cops are like, and and one of the cops is like, is like, yeah, it looks like she was here to bang. To which he activates detective vision and sees that the cop was wrong. Uh, no, actually, he 
he admits the cop was right, but first he says to the cop, do you equate all acts of sexual activity with violence? Well, yeah, I'm a cop. <laughs> the fucking shit I've seen. This is New York. This is New York, buddy. And done. <laughs> the things I have done. <laughs> so many horses. <laughs> My family has a ranch out in Rochester. <laughs> it's quite lovely out there, actually. I might take you down there for uh, the changing of the leaves. Yeah, we head down there, fuck a horse, look at the leaves. It'll be beautiful. I'll show you my favorite mare. <laughs> and then I'll show you my favorite stud. <laughs> what the fuck Gonna is this? need loop for that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is Death Door Prods. If you do not understand, then you are on the wrong site. It was a great way to bond with my dad. Getting double penetrated was special. <laughs> you ever see two Eiffel Tower? You ever see two horses make an Eiffel Tower? Just think of beauty. It's majestic. <laughs> of course, they want to. Of course, they want to start freaking out because his stu- cause his horse dick got dipped in the stomach acid. <laughs> oh my god! At least Dad went out with a smile on his face. <laughs> and every orifice full of horse cum. That's what he would have wanted. Oh God! Oh God! Heads up. This Heads. needs to be a character in your Call of Cthulhu game, by the way. Just some beat cop that we meet. You head, you head out to like the fucking family farm, or just you see above the man, you see above like the above the fireplace is just like a just like a very like beautifully framed like this wooden plaque, like a riding crop. It was Dad's favorite. <laughs> He liked it rough. We try not to kink shame around here, but if you fuck horses, like real horses. <laughs> that's not a kink. That's just that's a crime. Bestiality is still a crime. In a reference no one will get, we haven't cured AIDS yet for that to not be a crime. Oh, fuck. He really means no one will get it because I don't even get that fucking reference. Our Love is Real, a comic book where, in the future, after curing AIDS, everyone fucks everything. Oh. Yes, our main character is a cop whose girlfriend is a dog. Is it sentient? They never go into that. But I can only imagine yes, because it, at one point, the dog at one point puts on lingerie to try to make him feel better. And when I say lingerie, I mean like, you know, a bra, but it has like fucking eight of them because dogs. And then all of his coworkers start start ribbing him because he because all of a sudden he he meets he meets a person on the street who he thinks is a girl, and all of a sudden is like, oh shit. Love at first sight. And all of his and all of his coworkers are like, oh, you fell in love with the girl? What are you gonna do? Hold hands with her? If you excuse me, I'm gonna go fuck this rock. But apparently the only thing you're not allowed to have sex with that comic, plants. Comics are weird. They are very weird. That book ends with spent, like, that, that, book spent, end, that book ends with him finding out the girl was actually a guy, him dying, being turned into a rock, and then fucking the guy as a rock. 
I just I do have to say this. We have spent more time on our side bit joke about this guy getting Eiffel Towered by two horses in order to spend time with his father. Then we have on the actual show that we were trying to talk about. Because the show's fucking nothing. Well, maybe it needs to go to those horses. <laughs> the whole premise of the show, the whole premise of the fucking show is Malcolm Bright is worried he'll become a serial killer like his dad. Meanwhile, he has to keep going back to his dad to ask him for advice about hunting serial killers. And that's the premise. I feel bad for everyone in this show. I don't. This show will last one season and it will be the thing that they will leave off their resume. Exactly. That's why I don't feel bad for them. They could have been doing anything else. Halston Sage from the fucking, from the Orville is in this show. She could have been doing the Orville. But instead, no. She left to work on more, she went to work on other projects. Like Prodigal Son. Fuck. I fucking hate this show. It is everything I hate about TV cops plus a worse version of a thing I like. But then again, to be fair, that's most TV shows. Most like network shows are just, hey, you know the thing you like? We did it, but worse. Or you know this I you know this really interesting idea we have? We did it, but bad. Like hell, I had fucking I was interested in the rookie before that came out. Eh. Like I like Nathan Fillion and the idea of a man essentially having a midlife crisis and becoming a cop because of it, I find that relatively interesting as a character piece. But instead, it's just, hey, we're cops, and some of these cops are bad. Yeah, because it's a cop show. Like, I knew what it was going to be the moment that it was advertised to me. I had fucking faith, goddammit. Okay, not faith. Dead I had, I had blind. I had blind loyalty to a man I don't know. And that's how Trump became president. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get political in this shit. You can either get on topic and start talking about the next thing, or I'll get political in this shit. I'm warning you. 2020, get out there and vote, people. Please. Please. And please vote rationally. Don't vote like an insane anti-Semitic asshole. One of the three people listening to this just went, aww. That means you're assuming that one of the three people that listen to this is an insane anti-Semitic asshole. I am assuming. I mean, who the fuck else would find this? Four chan? <laughs> Jesus God, no. <laughs> if they found, if they knew what, if they knew about us, I'd have fucking a bunch of packages of white powder being mailed to my house. We called for them to do that kind of shit for us, though. Exactly. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. So from that thing that no one cares about, let's talk about wrestling. Yeah, you did say that you were going to talk more about wrestling next time we did one of these. Yes, I did. So two new wrestling shows have premiered on television now. One of them is a show that was previously only available online on the WWE Network, and one of them didn't have a show before. Okay. 
And because of that, it is a very weird time to be a fan of wrestling. So the one that premiered on so the one that premiered uh, from the from the online show is NXT. This is the WWE developmental league, basically, just just where, where they put superstars, where they put potential superstars that have talent and skill to essentially help get them used to the business, get them used to wrestling, and then eventually have them move up to the new have have them move up to one of the two brands, either SmackDown or Raw, where they will be ruined by creative. And yeah, that launched. Uh, there's not a whole lot of like storylines happening so much as just matches. And to be fair to all the people at NXT, they're all really good fucking wrestlers. Like really good. It is some of the like watching that and then seeing the quality of wrestling on the like the main product. It's kind of stark. Of just like the level of like the like the difference in quality of wrestling that's happening, and like not to shit on anyone in the main card, like there are some fucking fantastic wrestlers on both SmackDown and Raw that aren't given the chance to do anything. These motherfuckers had the genius of Bray Wyatt and the fucking Fiend, and they are burying that motherfucker. They had a fucking Hell in a Cell match that ended in a no contest disqualification. <laughs> Well, you know what that means, dead man? What's that? You need to start playing the lottery so you can eventually one day buy WWE so that you can give the people who actually are interesting chances. I don't want to be the new Vince McMahon. That sounds like that sounds like hell. You have two choices, dead. You can either stop complaining or you can do something about it. I'm going to keep complaining because that's how I do something about it. We put, Vince, we put Vince McMahon on the title, and then he has like a fucking web crawler or whatever going around trying to find his goddamn name, finds a message of it, and then all of a sudden one of his characters starts talking about all the things we're talking about. That's how you game the system, man. That's how you get inside of that. That's how you get inside of the head of the fucking fucking lunatic that runs this fucking company. Either that or like just just put a bunch of microbots in a beef wrap. That's what Vince calls a burrito. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, NXT is solid, I think. It is still like developmental league, so it's still people trying to find out the characters and stuff, and it is still not... It's where I'm going to go when I join up with with the wrestling league. Once you get once you get to TV level, yes. You probably you probably like farmed out to like a couple like different little indie scenes. Do some time with Ring of Honor. Been a couple years over in New Japan. Joined the Bullet Club. I don't know. What? It's things. Don't worry about it. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, NXT was for the longest time on the WWE Network. That is just that is kind of the only place you could see it. And then WWE, in time for their season premieres of both Raw and SmackDown, which I will talk about, they... Launched on USA as they they have like one hour they have like one to two hours live on USA and then and then they have another hour live on the WWE network and the thing started out actually with a really interesting like it, it started out from a weird really interesting production side of things 
because they have like you have like you know pre-recorded video packages and stuff and mm-hmm. they were playing one of those and it was like you know it was a it was Triple H cuz he Triple H is the guy who runs NXT he like started it and you know runs NXT and everything handles all the like booking and all like the creative and it like oversees creative on that which is probably why it's better than both Raw and SmackDown combined because Vince isn't involved but so he's there talking about like we are NXT and has like these two pillar box lines above him and everything. And then like in the middle of he, him talking about we are NXT, the pillar box lines fade like the letter box lines fade away as the camera then kind of pans over and it's actually been a live feed of the of like Triple H in the gorilla position behind the ring the entire time. And it was just really fucking smooth and a really great way to kick off that show. And you get into the matches and the matches are just fucking good. It's a much smaller crowd, and they always film in the same location, so it's not like traveling around trying to fill a fucking stadium. It's just, hey, we're at Full Sail University. We got, like, a couple hundred people in this room. They're going to scream their fucking heads off, and it's going to be great. That's the way it should be. Yeah, so that's happening. And then the other big thing that's happening is AEW. All Elite Wrestling, an entirely new brand that is the first thing to position itself as an actual alternative to the WWE. What about the, uh, was it WWF? WWF is the WWE. There was another one that was competing with the WWE originally. WCW? Yeah, that's the one. That died in 2001. I know, but you said it was the first thing. In a, yeah, yeah recently. Like, after fucking, after the goddamn WWE took over. Like once the one, once the Monday Night Wars ended, fucking no one could compete. Like there's TNA Impact, which to a lot of people is a joke. Yeah, no, that is a joke. There's like there's like Lucha Underground down in Mexico, but that is that that is primarily in their own thing. Then there is also New Japan, which from what I've heard is fucking awesome, but it is also just mainly Japan. But it's kind of been spreading out from there. Um, WWE is a worldwide fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, and no one else was really positioning themselves like that until AEW came along. A wrestling promotion founded by the son of a billionaire and four longtime professional wrestlers. So they're the ones I should sign up with. Yes. AEW is kind of the big shit right now. And they have a new show now on TNT, which is the network used to broadcast AC, uh, WCW. And they are fucking, they're, they're really good. AEW Dynamite is their new show. It airs on Wednesdays. And they just, and they, they aired, started airing a couple weeks ago, like in October. And the first match out the fucking gate, it was a different kind of fucking animal. Cause it was uh, it was Cody Rhodes versus a dude named Sammy Guevara. Uh, so Cody Rhodes, he is he is the executive vice president, one of the four executive vice presidents of AEW, and the crowd f- fucking loves him. He has been like one of the main driving forces behind this entire fucking ordeal, or this the entire endeavor of AEW. Like him, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks, they all kind of came together under this thing and helped develop this out into like an actual real wrestling league. And then TNT picked them up for like an actual show. And now they have actual shows on air and they have fucking superstars like Chris Jericho. Yeah, definitely the one I want to join up with. 
Yeah, and like the first match, it was it was Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, versus Sammy Guevara, who claims to be the best ever. That's how he's introduced into the ring, too. Like he comes out, there's a fucking rap song playing with his playing that's like all about him. And his like his thing is like Sammy Guevara, then a skull wrapped up in the fur of a fucking panda bear. And then underneath, he got the shit kicked out of him. And then underneath it, the best ever. And he actually comes out wearing a panda bear head. I hope he got the shit beat out of him. He did. Good. He he was so fucking good at generating heat. The crowd fucking yeah. hated him, and it was amazing. Like like there was there's a point in the there's a point in the match where he like threw like Cody was out of the ring and then he was wait waiting for Cody to get back in. And so then he did like the uh, breakdance thing of like you spin around and then end up in like a very relaxed pose, like you know, kind of like one leg cocked, leaning against your hand. I've never been able to pull that off. He did that in the I, ring. I always like, just look like a fat motherfucker who was trying to do something cool and ended up embarrassing themselves. Yeah, he did that in the ring and, and everyone was immediately like, Oh fuck you, kid. And uh, Cody actually came down to the ring with his wife because his wife is also a wrestler and she's part of the women's league. And Cody like does a suicide dive out of the ring trying to hit fucking hit Sammy and Sammy pulls his wife in the way. And he and Cody just manages to catch himself but his wife still takes a bit of a bump and like hits her head off the off the guardrail. And it was so good. And then when they and then when he lost Sammy was like hey man good match good match everything was cool. And then all of a sudden, Chris Jericho comes up from behind and bashes him in the back of the head with a title belt. Oh, so good. I'm confused. So the match was actually for the first for the number one contendership for the Chris Jericho title. It was the AEW World Championship. That's the title that Chris Jericho has. And Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara were having a match to determine the number one contendership. Okay. So then Cody won. Which means that he would be facing Chris Jericho for the title at their next pay-per-view event, I think. So then Chris Jericho, who's a heel right now, he runs down, gets in the ring, takes off the belt, and then hits Cody in the back of the head with the belt. (laughs) Oh, so good. And then one of the commentators who kind of like went, one of the commentators who got up there to like talk to Cody afterwards, he's just trying to get out of the way. Like, oh, fuck, I'm out of here. And the commentary is also really good for this, for this uh, show. Uh, The commentators are Jim Ross, who was longtime commentator for WCW and WWE. Uh, Tony Schiavone, who also long time in the business. And then a luchador wrestler named Excalibur. So it's a dude in a cowboy hat, a guy, and a luchador. And it's so good. And also, they are fucking killing it, apparently. Like, like NXT, their numbers have been kind of dwindling from week to week. Even, like, before, um, like, AEW Dynamite premiered. But then it didn't. A- Dynamite has been fucking crushing them in terms of ratings and keeping a consistent rating the entire, like, throughout the three episodes that have aired so far. And that's really cool. It's really great. There's like an actual alternative to WWE right now because their main roster product is fucking terrible. Just a bunch of fucking feuds that go nowhere. 
there's a there's an ongoing cuck storyline. Oh, wonderful. Yes, involving one of the most beloved pair, one of the most beloved married couples in wrestling right now. Well, not right now. Like a couple years back, they were like they were like going out there. They had fucking massive heat behind them. They were fucking great. It was a Rusev and his wife Lana. Like at one point, they were selling, they were selling cat. Like at one point, Rusev's gimmick was like, "Hey, it's Rusev Day," and every day is Rusev Day just to celebrate how awesome Rusev is. And they sold a calendar. Where inst- where like they had they had like, inst- like you know how calendars how will have um like date like you know certain dates will have like a little footnote of like hey it's Christmas or hey it's whatever mm-hmm. in this one every single day was denoted as being Rusev Day that's pretty awesome yeah and the two of them were like in it together and it was great and then he comes back after being away for a while he fucking trimmed down a bit of weight built built some fucking bulk just has this awesome eighties mustache came back with a full head of steam and then. His wife starts fucking Bobby Lashley. A guy with no personality. You know, cuz. That's story writing, right? Yeah. And speaking of terrible story writing, The Fiend, the best fucking thing in wrestling. They're beginning to ruin him. So, he had one match. He wrestled one match. And then was put into a feud with the with the Universal Champion. And that match ended with nobody winning. What? So, Hell in a Cell. It's their big pay-per-view event. It's a big pay-per-view event. They fucking... It's essentially just giant fucking steel cage match. No DQ. Anything is allowed. So long as you don't kill the other person. Seth Rollins, the Universal Champion, gets disqualified. What? Yeah. So, I have not seen this match. I have only heard everyone else talk about this match. And thus, I feel like I have seen this match and thus feel no need or urge to watch Hell in a Cell, despite me hearing that the show started out with a fucking fantastic women's Hell in a Cell match. But, match starts out. And... Rollins, he goes for some fucking offense on The Fiend. And The Fiend is no-selling all of it. Which which, which means to say that The Fiend is acting like none of it is having any effect on him. Seth Rollins hits him with a kendo stick. Nothing happens. He hits him with a chair. Nothing happens. The Fiend pulls out a giant fucking mallet that he's used to kill one of his puppets over and over again and tries to kill and tries to fucking hit Seth Rollins with it. Whole thing. Seth hits him with... Seth's um, finishing move is the curb stomp. Mm Mm-hmm. He hits them with fucking like 12 of them and they have no effect. So, getting toward the end of the match, Seth picks up a chair, hits him with the chair, then leaves the chair on top of him, then picks up a br- then he picks up a ladder and hits him with the ladder on top of the chair, then leaves the ladder on top of the chair, then picks up a toolbox and hits him with that, and then goes for a sledgehammer. You know, it's a regular old sledgehammer, as opposed to the mallet that was five times as big. And at this point, the ref's going, no, no, stop it. Actually, I think he actually calls him by his real name. He's like, no, stop it, Colby. This isn't you. He goes to hit him with a sledgehammer, at which point the ref calls no contest disqualification. Okay. At which point the fiend sits up, grabs Rollins in a mandible claw so hard that he starts vomiting blood. And then he leaves. Oh, okay. 
people hated this. I am very confused. I probably explained it poorly because I'm not very good at this. Ask a question. I will try to explain it. I'll try to explain it the best I can. Who won? Yes. <laughs> okay, then I understand everything. <laughs> yeah, so I... So I've seen a bunch of people say it was no contest. But then on like other things, it's saying that the fiend won via disqualification. So I'm going to say the winner is Vince. Because he put on a terrible show and still got everyone's money. Yeah, I was about to say, we know who the loser is. Everybody who paid. Yeah. (laughs) No, the loser is fucking the loser is everyone who paid and Bray. Because Bray, this this kind of came out as people started looking more into like what Bray and White has been saying. He's been teasing The Fiend for five years. Oh, fuck. Even while he was in another persona, while he was the fucking like backwoods cult leader, he was still teasing The Fiend. He worked with Tom Savini and Tom Savini Studios to build this mask and to build the aesthetic of the fiend and to build the fucking head lantern. And now he's, he's going to die. Fuck man. It is. He's going to die. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. but yeah. And so during the match, there were very audible chants. In the in, like in the actual like in this in the stadium as well as you could hear it on the recording and the broadcast of bullshit refund and AEW. Uh, they're calling out their uh, their replacements. That's not good. <laughs> no, it is not. And yeah, so that happened. Then we head over to... Then we go into the season premieres of both Raw and SmackDown. Now, this is big because it also means... Because they are because SmackDown is moving to Fox. So now, Raw is on USA. SmackDown is on Fox. The brands are split. The roster are split. There used to be a thing called the wild card rule where wrestlers would be able to go from one brand to the other. But... But now that they're on different networks, they can't do that. So. I just, I have to say this. We spent about like 30 minutes talking about wrestling. Yes, and I love it. This, I don't get to talk about wrestling very much, man. I know, but I do have other things I have to do today, dead man. So do I. This This is the last thing about wrestling. Then we'll move on to actual like TV and movies and stuff. And I will not be talking about wrestling again for a while. Okay. Because that was the thing. We had we used to have somebody on this podcast who talked about wrestling every week. And it got old. I do not want to do that. Last time I talked about wrestling was like two months ago. Yeah, no. Like. So I'm trying to keep wrestling. I watch wrestling. I'm trying to keep that as not to the, my main thing to talk about. But when I do talk about it, I have fucking things. Especially right now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they they split they split the brands and then on the way up to the draft, which is, you know, which is, you know, them choosing which superstars go to which show, 
they had a bit of crossover there um, with one of the ma- with one of the matches being um, Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. These two have a lot of history. Blah blah blah. In the middle of the match, though, uh, the Fiend bursts out from underneath the ring and pulls Seth Rollins into it. There is smoke and red light pouring out of it, and Michael Cole, the announcer, screams, "The Fiend just dragged Seth Rollins to hell." A couple seconds later, Seth Rollins comes shooting out of that fucking hole, out of breath, dazed, confused, laying lifeless in the center of the ring. And the fiend pops up. Just, uh And then goes back down. Then, Seth Rollins gets drafted to Raw, the fiend gets drafted to SmackDown. That's the end. Or it should have been. Because Seth Rollins then goes to the Firefly Funhouse the children's-esque television show that Bray Wyatt lives in now when he's not the Fiend, and sets it on fire. God damn it. Bray Wyatt cannot catch a fucking break because what's happening to him is the same thing that happened to him last time. Because Bray Wyatt came out. He was this weird backwoods cult leader. And he was fucking awesome. The crowd loved him. They they fucking got behind him super hard. Everything was going, going great. But then he just never won. He would get into these feuds. Say like all these really, really cryptic, threatening things. And then not be able to back it up at all and always lost. And now what they're doing with him is... They are, he has this like, insane supernatural demon alter ego that he constantly keeps building up and building up. Everything's fucking going. And then he puts him into him and they put him into a match. And then nothing happens. Again, he had one match before being put into this feud, which is dumb. I, I did some like digging on this. I don't know if I don't know if I'm right about this, but based on just very based on very loose counting on fucking Pro Fight DB, the, pro, the professional wrestling database, uh fucking the Undertaker had 25 matches before he was put in a title match. He was wrestling for a full year before he got a match against a champion. What I have to say about this is I get the feeling that somebody is going to be leaving uh, and going over to AEW. <laughs> a couple have. With a, with a new persona, and I think that, uh, like, I think there will be some fans that follow, namely you. Yeah, like, like actually, one of their biggest gets was actually, um, so, I mentioned Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. They were part of a three-man stable, basically, called The Shield. Another member of that uh, organization was Dean Ambrose. He got a championship push. He was champion for a while. He was like basically carrying that company, and they were treating him like a joke. He went away for he went away for a while, and then came back, and then he was also being and he's still being treated like a joke. He then requested release from his contract and got it, and then not a month later, who should show up on AEW? But a very familiar looking man by the name of John Moxley. Who is Dean Ambrose with a different name. 
and a different gimmick, and that's... It was so good. So many fucking wrestlers are just... So many wrestlers are actually kind of using AEW to try to, like, posi- like maneuver themselves for better contracts, almost. Like, that's kind of been some of the talk about it. Like, people are re-signed because they threatened to go over to AEW. I hope this means something will change. Because it kind of fucking sucks. For me to sit here and say all this bullshit about the fucking products WWE is putting out. Because there are a lot of really good wrestlers in WWE. Like they're still there. And I feel bad for them that they're stuck with this bullshit. And that's all I'll talk about wrestling this week. Or this quarter. I love wrestling and I love the idea of wrestling. I just can't watch it because I don't have access to any of the surfaces that it's on. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, fuck. So I started rewatching the Teen Wolf TV show. (laughs) Hard left turn. Well, I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have much to say about it, really. Season four is off to a really bad start because they're in... I, what is it with television producers and like TV editors where they think Mexico is yellow? I don't know. Like I think Breaking Bad did this too. Whenever they went to Mexico, there was just this yellow filter over everything. But yeah, that show I think is still better than it has any right to be. Still not great. Still really weird how the how the fucking spirit fox from Japan also has inherent cut also has inherent kung fu powers. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Like literally, they one of the one of the things when they introduce her is, hey, here's a sword. She was able to use it instantly. Them cats was fast as lightning. Not cats, foxes. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's all I really say about Team Wolf. Just, it's fine. Season three will probably be the best because it actually has like a... Well, the second half of season three actually has a decent mystery that I think works out pretty well. Well, not mystery, but like a villainy. And it was also the... So, this is dumb about this show. Among other things with the show. Half the seasons are two seasons of TV. What? So seasons one and two were 11 episodes. They had beginning, middles, they had beginnings, middles, ends, storylines that went throughout. Season three was 22 episodes that had two stories that were 11 episodes each with beginning, middles, and ends. Season four was an 11 episode beginning, middle, end. Season five and six were 22 episodes with two different storylines in them. For whatever oh, reason, okay. for whatever reason, after the first two seasons, they decide to take two seasons and make them one. A fourth season, that was just a fourth season, and then the fifth and sixth seasons were two seasons made into one. Okay. And I do not know why. That is a really weird production decision that I will never understand. But on from there, I did watch some movies. One of them, I did not like. 
The other one, I very much did. I'll save the one I liked for the end so we can end on a high note before moving into cave stuff. But In the Tall Grass. It's a new horror movie um, based on a novella by Stephen King and his son, Joe Hill. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that and being like, why are people getting super hyped for this? Because people are like Stephen King. Yeah, but I've tried reading and watching his stuff, and most of it's boring. Yes. I mean, very interesting. Please don't, please don't hate me. I was mainly interested in it because Joe Hill is a much better writer than his father, I think. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly, but that doesn't mean that he's done good things. You wrote Lock and Key. I mean, sorry, not that he's done good things, that everything he's done is good. Fair enough. You seen that? You seen the trailer for the fucking Nosferatu series? No, I've not. Now I'm curious. I didn't know that existed. Yes, Zachary Quinto plays a man who drives an old car that steals children and takes them to Christmas land where they turn into ghouls. And it's I'm, up to a girl who, who by driving her bike through a bridge, is able to go anywhere in the country. She's able to find lost things by driving a bike through this bridge. And then it is her. Stephen King. Yep, and then it is her versus the evil car man. Whose license plate is Nosferatu? Mm. Yeah, N O S four A two. It's really dumb, but anyway, in the tall grass. So, brother and sister Becky and Cal are driving from somewhere to San Diego. They're going through the middle of fucking nowhere and stop. And stop right in front of a church that is across from a giant open field of tall grass because Becky's about to barf because she is pregnant. Mm. As like, I I remember like I, I subscribe to a few horror YouTubers and like I the Insomniacs uh, we also chat about various horror stuff. Everyone was just assaulting me within the tall grass, and I did not listen to any of it, so I know nothing about this. Beyond that it exists. Okay. Yeah, so... As they're standing outside the tall grass, uh, they hear a kid calling for help. He's like, help, we've been trapped in here for days. His mom's in there with him. And then his mom says, stop yelling, he'll find us. Then the mom stops yelling. But the kid keeps on yelling. So, Becky and Cal head into the tall grass, where they instantly lose each other. Becky is trying to get a cell, is like on the phone with the cops, but then the call drops. And the two of them decide to do the one, to decide to do a smart thing of like, hey, let's on three, jump, find, we'll see each other, and then we'll try to fucking get there, get to each other. So they go, all right, one, two, three, jump. Hey, we're not too far apart. One, two, three, jump. All of a sudden, we're farther, we're farther apart. Also, as they are running around and stuff, like the sound that they make keeps changing directions. Like, uh, I have headphones on, so I'm able to get, like, the left and right audio channels a bit more, like, distinctly. So, like, he's standing, he, like, Cal, it's a shot of Cal standing in the grass. Becky's talking in the, Becky's talking to his uh, left in the left channel. And then, all of a sudden, she stops talking, and then she's in the right channel. That's fun. It's basic. Yes, yeah, so they're just fucking running around trying to get the fuck out of this grass, and they are stuck in there for days. Eventually, um, yeah, eventually, Becky meets Ross, 
to- the, ki- the kid's dad. And then Cal meets the kid, Tobin, who tells him that the, that the grass doesn't move dead things. Because the grass is alive. And takes him to this giant rock in the center of the fucking grass. Because apparently Tobin can navigate the fucking grass. <gasps> oh my gosh. But it's because he touched the rock. Because the rock is fucking magic or whatever. Cut two outside the grass. It is an it is an in amount in a undeterminate amount of time later, as Becky's baby daddy Travis is trying to find them. Drives past that church, sees the sees their van, stops, pulls in, goes into the church, which is called the Church of the Black Rock of the Redeemer. Nobody's in there. There's a door in the back that's locked. Then he has then he then he hears. Becky calling, runs into the grass, runs into the grass, and instantly gets lost, but actually does some smart shit, like breaking off some of the grass and tying it in a knot so we can know he's been through here before. Hmm. And also... That won't get him anywhere. Nope, because the grass begins untying itself. Of course it does. And then he also tries to keep the sun in front of him at all times, like, so that he's always moving in the same direction. But it'll be like a thing of, all right, walking, the sun's right in front of me. Oh, better wipe my brow with this sweat. Wait, where'd the sun go? Oh, man. It's almost like magic nonsense is magic and nonsense. It gets even more magic nonsense because eventually Travis meets Tobin and Tobin acts like he knew about Travis, acts like he met Travis, acts like he has met Travis before. Eventually, Travis ends up losing Tobin and then here's Tobin calling from outside the grass because Travis is the one who brought Tobin and his family into the grass in the first place. Oh, my gosh. This entire movie is just a fucking recursive time loop. Oh my god, he's not better than his father. I think his father is the one who wrote most of this. Anyone who knows me knows that the thing that pisses me off the most about the Dark Tower is the fact that the ending fucking makes it not matter. Yes, you mentioned that. I still don't know what that means because I you haven't actually explained what the ending of the Dark Tower was. Okay, so I'm at the very end... It. At the very end, our hero climbs the tower. He gets to the top. All of the books have been culminating in this moment. We've been so excited and ready. And it ends right at the beginning. Literally. At the beginning of his story is where the story ends. And we're supposed to be happy because he's at a better beginning now. Because he has more success in his past. Wait, what? Literally, it starts over, and because of the way it started over, he's more likely to be successful. So, the... So... Yeah. So, what's the Dark Tower, then? Was it just a fucking time dick? I don't know. I don't know what the fuck the Dark Tower is, and I read the goddamn book. So, it was was like a physical thing that they could see in the distance that they were going towards? Yes. Okay, so he gets there, climbs the tower, and then ends up younger? Yes, he time travels. Okay, so gets so the tower gives him a second chance at not being a shitty person? It's implied that he's done this multiple times. What the it fuck? Is actively, it is actively implied that we weren't even following his first try. What the fuck? I know. So this fucking 
dimension hopping epic about a about a fucking man with a gun versus literal evil in an effort to get to the fucking top of this tower is that he gets to go for the top of the tower against evil again. Yes. What the shit? I spent years reading these books too. Yeah, fuck that. That is that is that is dumb. That is bad. Mm-hmm. Almost as bad as this movie. Yeah, this movie's not very good. Um like acting wise, none of these actors are really able to put up pull anything out except for Patrick Wilson, who is he plays fucking Tobin's dad, Ross, and he's the best thing in the fucking movie because he actually has some fucking he actually has like he is a fucking actor, motherfucker. And so he's able to fucking take what little material he's given and fucking sell it. Also, he's playing the religious man, so. So he's the worst character. Yes, he tries to rape. I think it's stabbed in the eye. Yeah, I think he let his dad write too much of this book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like he was according to the, according to him, he was a former gospel singer. Uh, but then you know had a wife and kids, and then and then he found the rock in the field, and thus is now a avatar of the grass. I okay, think, Captain Cuckoo Pants. I think that's what they were going for, because it's weird. Like at like so, Tobin also touched the rock, but all that did was it let him guide himself through the grass. Like he like with everyone else, they basically just stumble around blind until they stumble upon something. Unless they happen to be standing next to a dead thing, in which case that is the only time they're able to just be in a location. Air back everybody, sorry about that. My computer died. But I brought it, it back. didn't die, it just had a heart attack. I won't let it die on me. No, there's so much work Not to ever. do. Not ever again. Oh no, sometime when I get a new one. At that point, I'll just probably just take a dump in this one. <laughs> I mean, it's got—I mean, it's got a hatch for a reason. But anyway, that was for access. <laughs> oh, you child. Anyway, oh, man, I have so much to learn about computers. You really do. I bet you don't even know how much RAM you should poop on. I didn't know you were supposed to poop on RAM. How else I do you add so the much, thermal paste? I have so much <laughs> to learn from you, Dad. Oh, my gosh. Also, for reference, I know you don't put thermal paste on RAM. <laughs> I didn't. You put it on your graphics card. <laughs> and that is technically, if you think about it, kind of true. But did I mean okay. it that way? Or did, did I mean it that way? Did I not? We may never know. Okay, maybe put thermal paste on your thermal paste I, on the heat sink that I, goes on top of your processor. I, I know, I know, I know. I actually learned a little bit about building computers when my brother was building mine. Yes. For now out there, you're building a computer, and someone says, like, hey, let me spread some thermal paste on this and pulls out a little spatula. Uh, don't. Just get like a small little line in the middle of it. As you put your heatsink on it, it will spread naturally a bit more even. 
less likely to leak out the sides. But or if you have a just a if you are buying an aftermarket cooler or anything, they probably have their old paste already applied. Building computers is fun. Don't fuck it up ever. I plan to uh, do as much research as humanly possible on building computers and then build one of my, a, a much better one of my own. Yes. I plan to try to save up $2,500 to buy one that I are, to buy the one that I already have built out in concept. Contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com to prods. But in the tall grass. Yeah, so uh, at some point, as they're kind of walking through the grass, um, Becky begins feeling weird as the grass begins crawling up her leg into her baby. Nah, it's just her period. I don't think her period goes up and is green. <laughs> I might be oh, wrong. I don't know a trick. lot about women. <laughs> it's an editing trick. It's to make it look <laughs> like it's going in reverse. <laughs> yeah, they key out the green and replace it with red. <laughs> I was actually like joking to myself, like kind of, like thinking about it kind of earlier. Of like they essentially could have made this by making like a ten by ten like block of grass and just have them running through that at different angles and have a green screen behind it to show the sky, or or like a blue screen. And I was just thinking if they had had a green screen, they're like all right, so just key out the green, they key out all of the grass. <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I'm now, I now am. That is my mental image of how they did this, and yeah. they just brought in like different pieces into the grass for when they needed in that scene. Yeah, it's just a wonderfully keyed out sky, and then a very shittily keyed out grass because the grass is a different shade of green. Ugh. Anyway. Yes, yes, the grass begins like talking curling up there, and she sees an image or something of Ross standing in the grass with his eyes completely green. As the grass is like, you know, like waving over, and he's like, ah, yes, I am powerfully in grass. And she sees these weird like grass creatures that are like dudes with grass helmets. And then Ross is like, hey, yeah, I'm a bad guy. You guys gotta touch the rock. It'll be awesome. Touch the rock. Yep. Kills his wife, crushes her head, um, chokes out Cal, the brother, um, in a... He kills Cal in the same location that he's killed Cal like 12 times. Fucking time loop. Yeah, uh, they also find a couple of dead bodies of Becky. Uh, Eventually, an alive Becky, an alive Cal, an alive Travis, and an alive Tobin... They manage to get to a, like, bowling alley that somehow is in the middle of this grass hell. Head inside. Uh, they were led there by the dog, who was also dead, but not, because time loops. And the dog manages to find a way out. By walking behind some grass and then disappearing and then appearing on the road. Because apparently there are just holes in the grass. Everyone has a hole in their grass, dead man, didn't you know? Fuck. It's where the soil comes out. (laughs) For anyone who didn't know, dead man regrets hiring me every day because of the shit that I do and say. Yeah, yeah, I do. But he doesn't have a choice anymore because everyone else left him. Yeah. So, I don't give a fuck about spoilers. Fuck it. Who gives a shit about spoilers? This movie's terrible. Um, the grass people end up finding Becky and her baby. End up finding Becky, who's, like, fucking freaking out. 
she like cracks one of them in the head a bunch of the grass flies off and then the grass reforms because they are just people made out of entirely out of grass and they bring her back to the rock where we see a carving on the rock of the grass people carrying a pregnant woman to the rock then the ground in front of the rock opens up and we see a bunch of fucking writhing people covered in, in fucking mud and shit kinky yep um at which point Becky gives birth, her brother shows up, she passes out, wakes up to being, you know, fed, like being like fed some water, and then it's like, here, eat this. Starts eating it. Whoops, she ate her baby. That's not her brother. That's Ross. The best friend. He's not. Oh, he's your best friend. Yeah, then Travis touches the rock, and he gets the rock powers, and then takes Tobin to a hole, and then puts Tobin in the hole, and that, en- that ends him up within the church room that's locked in the back of the church. Then he runs out just in time to see Becky and Cal get called into the grass by himself. So he's like, nah, don't go in there. Don't listen to me. Stop listening to me and listen to me. Here, I... Here, your boyfriend gave me this necklace that you had on you when you died. She pulls out her copy of the necklace and what? I want to keep this baby after all. Let's go back to my dead ass boyfriend who will still be a piece of shit because he didn't have the two month wait that, that was that was required for him to become less of a shit. Yay. Yay. And then the good version of Travis dies. Yay. And the grass is... The grass is grass. Uh, you know what they say. Something about it always being greener on the other side. Except it's not in this case. The other side of the grass is rocks. But the rock is power. The Can't rock you is, smell what it is cooking? The rock is Jeebus. Taste it. It tastes like redemption. Give it a lick. It's salty. This movie is bad. I'm wondering if the short story is the same. Probably. It is a Stephen King story. Yes, it is. The man is fucking long-winded. He very much is. Of course, we can't talk. Nope. (laughs) I spent like an hour talking about wrestling. Woo wrestling. Who doesn't love a wrestle? Alright, now let me spend five minutes talking about the things that I watched. I have one last thing. It's the Adams Family. Oh hey, I watched the Adams Family too. But like not the new one. Oh. Loser. Yes, uh so the reason I watched this movie has kind of nothing to do with the new movie coming out. It has to do with, well, so it wasn't that the movie was coming out. It was the fact that the movie doesn't have voice talent in it. There's a weird thing. So a podcast I listened to recently had Maurice LaMarche on. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, Maurice LaMarche, he is a famous voice actor. He's been, he did a lot of work on like Antimaniacs. He was the voice of the brain. And what do we do every week, Pinky? Try to take over the world. Yes. And so they have, so they were talking about the new Adam's Family movie, and they were talking about how there was basically no voice talent in it, only celebrities. 
Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, like 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 Gomez is played by Oscar Isaac. Um, Charlize Theron does Morticia. Like the only guy I saw in that cast list who did like who has like for real voice credits is Nick Kroll as Uncle Fester. And he was one of the better ones, actually. Pardon? He was one of the better ones. Oh. Well, yeah, that's because he's one of the only real fucking voice actors. Uh, they also had Chloe Grace Moretz as Wednesday, who is not a voice actor. Finn Wolfhard as Pugsley, also not a voice actor. Snoop Dogg. Well, they, was, bo- they, they were both solid. Yeah. Snoop Dogg as Cousin It. Absolutely perfect for the role. <laughs> I won't hear a thing said against it. Bette Midler as Grandmama. Also solid. Yeah, so... And then Conrad Vernon, a guy I do not know, uh, as Lurch. I think they chose him because he's a singer. Because they had a segment where Lurch sung beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. But we're not talking about that yet. We'll talk about that next. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, so there was people talking about that and just like, hey, it's like, hey, there's no one really doing that stuff. And I was like, fuck, I should watch those old Adams Family movies. So I went back and watched the 1991 Raul Julia, Angelica Houston movie. It's good. That was, that was the Adams Family values, correct? Uh, no, that was the sequel to this one. Okay. Yeah, this was just... I'm, the- I'm probably going to sit my wife down and see if it's on any of our streaming services because that's the kind of thing that we'd love. Yeah, so... The Adams Family uh, is kind of an in media's res story. Like it, you have to know a bit about the Adams Family going into the movie to fully understand the movie. Because the movie opens with it have been with so Uncle Fester isn't around. It's been twenty five years since Gomez and him had a big old fucking brouhaha fight, which drove Fester <coughs> off. <laughs> So I hadn't seen it for 25 years. Um, uh, his lawyer, uh, Gomez's lawyer, Tully, comes over to discuss some business and try to like get some get the fucking more money out of him. But uh, he, but he can't get the money because that would require new business, and they keep new business for the new quarter. Because Gomez, despite being himself, is apparently a very prudent businessman. Despite him not. Being a businessman. Anyway, the reason Tully has been put was pushing so hard for this is because he owes a bunch of money to a, um, to a fucking like con woman loan shark kind of lady, who has herself a son who is maybe older than her. The actor or the character? Uh, d- yes. <laughs> I love it because their Always son is wonderful. played by Christopher Lloyd. I really need to sit my wife down and watch this because I think she'll love it. Yeah, so so Tully just so happens to just happens to notice that, hey, Gordon, this lady's kid, looks a lot like Fester Adams. So then they devise a plan. They'll shave they'll shave Gordon down, dress him up like Fester, and then send him into the house to find out where they keep the gold. Because he pay because Gomez Adams pays his lawyer for business in doubloons. Yeah, that sounds like him. Yep. So Fester goes in there and they, so, so sorry, Gordon as Fester goes in there. I'm just going to call him Fester from now on because shock, he's Fester. 
he he goes in there and then it's just kind of a person who is not part of the Adams family learning what the Adams family is about. And just realizing, oh, these people are crazy. Because to anyone outside of their family, yeah, they're fucking lunatics. Like when Tully shows up to do business, the first thing that happens is Gomez throws a sword at his head. The Marsuka. And they fucking have a sword fight. Which is how they get into business. Uh, And yeah, over the course of the movie, uh, Fester just kind of begins to warm up to the family, kind of gets more and more involved with them. Um, at one point, uh, he sees like Wednesday and Pugsley going to do something, and then he runs over screaming, No, no, you're doing it wrong. If you want to stab someone, go, go here. Uh, teaches them like how to properly dismember someone in a sword fight. Actually builds them working squibs for their school play. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the thing about, like, that's kind of the thing about the Adams family when it's done right is that it is a weird-ass family that is the most loving people you will ever fucking meet. This family is obsessed with each other in the best way possible. Yeah. Like, they have a very positive view of each other, and, like, it's... Oh, it's so nice. so wonderful. Yeah, like, even Wednesday and Pugsley, with Wednesday constantly trying to murder Pugsley, and Pugsley apparently being immortal. I think they're all... It's implied that they're all immortal, but they have graves. Like, yeah, but they I think they just enjoy sleeping in them. <laughs> like, no, I'm not even joking. Like they like they always take so much fucking punishment like it's a joke. I think the Adams family is actively immortal. But you get to the end and they play a game called Wake the Dead where they go outside and dig up all their old fucking relatives. Okay, die of old age. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it. I think they're just immune to earthly harm outside of aging. And it's, yeah, just everything about the production design of this movie fucking is amazing. And the the way, like, like the house itself looks fucking fantastic. Uh, The gate, while being, like, I think the only, like, the only real Adam's Family movie I'd seen outside of this one is, like, the Adam's Family reunion, I think. And with that God, one, like the main, uh, like that was like late nineties, early two thousands. It was after it was like after Raul Julia and like the actual and like the like my generation's Adams family. Mm-hmm. And you know, like the gate in that was like this big CG monster. The mailbox was also a CG monster, and this the gate just kind of opens and closes by itself and smacks people. Like it's not CG or anything. It's all practical. Um. Gomez and Fester, they like hit golf balls out into a, into like a judge's house and keep breaking his windows. It's like, Adams, you asshole. Like, sorry, judge. You I got a good one on that one, huh? Yeah. Uh, Thing is also, uh, things, this is also like one of the first, I, th- I don't know if this was the first, but I think it was like one of the, main things that kind of helped establish thing as just a disembodied hand that could actually move around outside of itself. Because I think up until then it had just been a hand coming out of a box. But with this, it like developed the, developed the language of a hand that could move around disembodied to everything else. Mm-hmm. And the facts didn't age great because it's 1991. They're trying to key out a person. 
Mm-hmm. But it lo- it still looks pretty good. They're still able to they still do the thing of like, hey, I'm just going to put my hand through a table. And that'll be hands sitting, and there'll be things sitting on it. Uh, I think this might have also introduced Cousin It. But I'm not 100% on that. Cousin It, who was masterfully played in the uh, recent movie by Snoop Dogg. Never, never heard a better It. I can't tell. <laughs> if I'm taking the piss or if I'm being serious? Yeah, I'm not getting the read. <laughs> then I'm doing my job. Because, like, if they just do It, then that is a weirdly expensive bit of stunt casting. But if they just you do, need to see it to believe it. Does he have a rap? I'm not going to say. I will leave it a mystery to any fan who wishes to discover it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Both for not telling me and for your fucking puns. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> But yeah, so this movie doesn't have exactly a whole lot of a whole lot going on in it. Like it does have beats, but a lot of those times it mainly feels like just kind of jokes. Like so, Duke gets the idea, introduces Fe- introduces Fester as introduces Gordon as Fester. Fester gracious himself to the family, finds the gold, gets the Adamses kicked out of their own house, reconciles. And then fucking saves the day. And everything's fucking back to normal. That all happens, but it doesn't really feel like a lot happens. Because it really just feels like gags, almost. It's all just this family being themselves. And then the shit they do. Like, like, they have have this one recurring gag where... uh, Well, well, it's kind of a recurring gag. Uh, So in order to get into, like, the Adams Family vault, they have to go down and they have to, like, open a book... Well, sorry, pull a book on a shelf, which then rotates the shelf to let them into, like, the secret egg entrance thing. They get to this, uh, they get in a gondola, go over to this room full of chains, and have to pull the right chain. Otherwise, they get fucking, otherwise, a fucking metal gauntlet grabs on their hand and yanks them up into the ceiling, where they then go through a system of water tubes that then dumps them outside. With those water tubes being labeled Wednesday and Pugsley. And they get down to the vault, and the vault itself is the vault itself is just like a bunch of childhood toys and memories that uh, Fester and Gomez had together. But then you open up a right bottle, open up the right bottle of brandy, and then it opens up into just a fucking like massive dragon horde of treasure. So it almost does the Richie Rich thing of where they have this super vault, but they keep nonsense in it. Yeah, but whereas with Richie Rich. With Richie Rich, the joke was, yeah, we have nothing in here but our most valuable possessions, like, you know, like, you know, family memories and stuff. Our money's in fucking, our money's in fucking banks. Obviously. Yeah. Whereas with this, the vault is, the vault is that joke, but to kind of obfuscate from the fact that they actually do have just like mountains and mountains of gold just behind their fucking bar. But yeah, this movie is this movie is a lot of fun. Like it's a lot of really great character work. Uh, Raul Julia is fucking perfect 
as Gomez Adams. Uh, Angelica Houston, I believe that's who that is. Let me double check. I think I'm confusing. I think I'm confusing her with someone else. Okay, no. So I was right. It was Angelica Houston. I was confusing her. Like I, I always get her and another actress mixed up. I'm trying to find that actress's name right now. Angela Bassett. That's why I was getting confused with. Like I say, Angelica Houston, and I think I mean Angela Bassett for for a second. Oh yeah, she is fantastic as Morticia. Uh, it's still great they're doing the thing where whenever she's inside, the light is always just kind of like framing her eyes, so everything else is kind of hide. Everything else is kind of hidden in darkness except her eyes. The house itself is great. Uh, they got the fucking they got that fucking big dude who plays like the fireman in Twin Peaks is Lurch. Christina Ricci is fantastic as Wednesday. That Pugsley kid is there. Just a really good fucking movie. And I need to see the Adam Family Values. I haven't I don't think I've ever actually seen that one. Which I've heard is really good. So let you guys know next time. Adam's family, they're fucking great. How did the new one fair cave? Okay, so the Adams family. Um it doesn't start in Medius Res. It gives you their backstory. <laughs> <laughs> After you just said that it's they tend to start in Medius, this literally gives you the backstory. Um, it starts so at is, the wedding. What? So, what is the backstory of the Adams family? Well, it starts at the wedding between uh, uh, oh god, their names Gomez and Morticia. Gomez and Morticia, and. It's a it's a very it's a very Adams family affair, like everything is turned on its head. Good is bad, bad is good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, and then villagers come to chase them off because, as the villagers say, they're monsters. <laughs> they then talk about moving to a horrible, miserable place that no one would ever want to go to. Pittsburgh. We later see them in New Jersey. Ah. One of the two. Yep. Um, and I called the fucking joke beat for beat. Like, I don't take much pride in that because this is a kid's movie, but still, I called the joke beat for beat. Um, And they're driving along and Morticia's like, I just want to find a place to settle down and raise a family. And Gomez is being Gomez. Like, it's, like they are exactly as their characters have always been. Gomez is overly flowery, romantic, and uh, loving. Morticia is this dark, like, like almost Elvira sex symbol, if Elvira never ate. Yeah. <laughs> and they're driving down the road, and they hit someone. An escaped mental patient that is Lurch. Uh, Thing is their driver. Naturally. Thing has... Thing has a a bracelet on that it opens up sometimes to have an eye. The fuck? Yeah. Like, Thing needs to be able to see, apparently. He, he, he can't see. I know. What? <laughs> that's why I'm confused. That's, um, that's, that's weird. Yeah. What did you do with they Thing? They gave Thing an eye. 
They gave Thing an eye. What did you um, do with Thing a Thing, you motherfuckers? Who is this um, imposter? So, uh, they, they hit Lurch, and they are excited by this. Lurch leads them to the insane asylum where he was being kept as an inmate. Uh, the insane asylum where so many fucking murders took place that the thing is violently haunted. Nice. Yeah. Um, is, that the, is that the Adams Family Mansion? Yes, that it, that it becomes the Adams Family Mansion. Um, Figured as much. Thing, uh, thing, uh, Lurch leads Thing to an organ where he starts playing a variety of songs until finally he starts playing the intro to the Adams Family. Over which we fast forward to the mansion's been modified to the Adams Family Mansion. Um, I really hope my snaps are being picked up on the mic. I heard them. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, Wednesday and Pugley, Pugsley have been born, but they've never ventured beyond the uh, Adams Family Mansion. Uh, the starting predicament for our film is that Pugsley has to take his sword Marsuka, which is a kind of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Coming-of-age ceremony. Ah, okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's, the, it's the Adams Family coming-of-age ceremony, if he fails, he's going to be laughed out of the family. That's harsh. If he su- if he succeeds, then okay, he's an Adams big fucking whoop. Uh, his father, of course, was the best sword Marsuka dancer ever. So they have to. He has to deal with that looming over his head when all he wants to do is blow shit up. Yeah. And Wednesday is constantly trying to murder him because it's Wednesday. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's, then, it's, it's sibling bonding. Then we zoom out to like at at some point we zoom out and we see Lurch watching a TV show about home design and such, and we meet Margot Needler, who is the villain. If you're an adult, you'll know she's the villain. Yes, because she's the villain. Because her name's Margot Needler. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh who is basically like she's the Borg. Like, she's a home design expert that sets up a town called Assimilation where she forces her daughter and her daughter's classmates to sing about a song about how everything's better when you're told that you're happy and you should just try to fit in. Yes, join the wave. Um, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I just read about that today because Netflix released a trailer for a series loosely based on that that is literally the exact opposite of what the wave is about. So we've got <laughs> so we've got this framing device going on, and then Margot's daughter, whose name escapes me right now, uh, I think it's like Megan or something. Let me check. Let me quickly check this. Um, oh my god, there's there's enough characters that I'm actually confused because uh, I do so not remember the character's name. Margot Needler's daughter, you're looking for? Yes, Parker. Yes, Parker. Thank you, Parker. I have a cast uh, list. Parker. Up. Parker uh, rolled up outside the house, got spooked by it, and now Wednesday wants to find out about it. So they all go down to town and immediately, like, immediately just cause problems because they're the Adams family trying to interact with normal people. Yeah, they fucking roll Um, up and like, how's it going? Sword fight? Margot sees their house and is horrified by it because she's selling this, like, 
picture perfect normal town and she yeah. wants that to be the thing so she's like i'll come redo your house for free please for otherwise of- i'm going to go bankrupt for the love of god uh she shows up she like spray paints over a bunch of stuff like these are the changes i want to make and they're like it's perfect you've already changed everything we need you to <laughs> because they're the atoms yeah um Wednesday uh, basically is like, I want to go learn what it is like to be normal and go to school and all that shit while Pugsley is trying to learn how to sword fight like his father. I want to learn to be a who man. Even though that's not his thing at all. Um, yeah, just, just take that sword and put it inside of a bomb. Uh, Margot goes, it's like slowly reveals more and more that she's completely fucking batshit insane uh, and eventually decides to like She's just like straight up is Big Brother, yeah. Like, n- like, uh, is it nineteen eighty seven? Like, she's got cameras in everyone. Nineteen eighty four. She's got cameras in everyone's people in everyone's houses. She's able to log into all of their like Facebook equivalent uh, accounts and like, like post false shit under their names. All right, everyone, take your pill. And she starts just like, like arranging it so that everyone's afraid of and hates. The Adamses, because they're like, oh, they're monsters and oh, whatever. Jesus <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, fuck. And like, I'm fa- I'm gonna fast forward to the ending because there's a there's a lot of fun stuff in there, but it's stuff that I want you to discover on your own. But the ending is obvious. She shows up, and this is actually my favorite part. Right before they go to destroy the Adams's house, she turns to a guy, two guys, and say, "You guys still have that catapult, right?" <laughs> Just to justify them having a catapult, I I love that in like I love that so much. It is so it's like that is the level of humor I want. Yeah, just um, just as long as you set it up with the briefest mention, it makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so the Adamses are in the middle of their masuka, and Pugsley fails. He just cannot do swords fighting. Uh, and then the catapult starts. <laughs> just destroying their house. And uh, Gomez turns to Pugsley and is like, I should not have forced you to try and be like me. Do your own thing. And he throws him a bomb. And then Pugsley, like, marsukas everyone out of the house by blowing up every fucking catapult shot after it's destroyed some of their house. Uh, and then Wednesday has to come in and actually save the day. The townspeople learn that hatred just because of difference, just because of different behavior or appearance isn't justified. And it ends on a happy note for everybody, even though I kind of wish Margot had gotten eaten. Yeah. Like I thought how it would like, based on what you had described about it, like, like the house, like the house be partially destroyed and then Gomez would come out. It's like, we love it. And it's, and, it's like, and it's like says it tells Margaret to send the bill. They had all, all head back inside. And she's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, no, she wanted to fucking murder the Adamses at this point. To be so. honest, every to be honest, like half the people who meet the Adams want to murder them. Yeah, the other half want to fuck I them. To, I would fucking just be like, "Can I hang out here?" <laughs> like you got your yeah. aesthetic is awesome. <laughs> you I don't got be the anarchist cookbook. I do not know if I'd be able to hang out with him for too long. I have bad. I have a bad thing with dust. Uh, yeah, that is a problem. I wouldn't be able to hang out too long because 
Like, I couldn't breathe this morning because of how much dust I've inhaled over the past week. Yeah, so I feel like you hang out with the Adams family too long and get black lung. So I'd invite them over to my place. Oh, yeah, they'd, they'd totally be down for that. Yeah, no. Here, you, here, Gomez, you can have some coffee grounds, and the rest of us will go uh, see what we can build out of the junk in the garage. Yeah. Then Pugsley just grabs a bomb. I'm going to go find gators. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> No. You just, hear, um, you just hear explosions coming from the backyard, and all of a sudden you just, you just hear your mom. I guess we're having barbecue. <laughs> I mean, we have all these gators. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I highly, if you are a fan of the Adams family and you like children's films, um, you'll probably love this movie. Even if you're not a fan of either, it's, it's a very enjoyable film. Uh, I like the humor. Uh, it, at no point did it get to the, well, you're just telling a fart joke for five minutes. Nice to know. Uh, level that a lot of children's films get to. Yeah, um, that's that's bad. I mean, there were there was like, I think there was one joke where I was sitting there like, why did they tell this joke? And then I heard a small child repeat the joke and laugh aloud. And I was like, oh yeah, a kid's movie. Right. <laughs> I literally was like, oh yeah, kid's film. <sighs> oh, I guess I right. gotta expect okay. one of That's those. That's where that fucking the, the cadence. So no, cousin. It was introduced in the 1964 Adams Family television series, not the movie. That is important for me. Uh, I think everyone did a good job with the voice acting. Um, I I mean I could have just been enjoying it in the moment, but I think everyone did a good job. Yeah, I, I remember uh, like mainly from the trailers. And Snoop Dogg was fucking amazing. Like, I, like just fucking perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I can feel Dead Man wanting to kill me right now. <laughs> just you motherfucker. Uh, moving on, let's talk about uh, one of the greatest schools staffed by some of the worst people on Earth. Hogwarts. Ah, okay. I recently rewatched the first two movies, and dear God, those teachers are negligent. Oh fuck yeah, that's that's the joke of the entire series. Like, but it's so like it's worse in the movies. It is amazing. It is worse in the movies, and I'm just sitting there like I don't remember like being this worried for these children when I was watching these the first time, and I was already older than them. So, I man, I very much I I don't, I don't know if it is like a I don't know if it's like me painting my past with my current knowledge, but yo, yo, that fucking school needs to be shut the fuck down. I don't think it needs to be shut down. I think it needs to be drastically reorganized from the ground up. Namely, it needs a new academic structure and an entirely new set of teachers and headmaster. You mean um, like an actual academic structure? Yes. <laughs> like, like you can't just like, okay. So in the second movie, I understand that like a couple people, were deprived of study time. But Dumbledore fucking cancels exams for everybody. Yeah. yeah and I'm just like, sitting there like, like so we don't know canceled. if any of them deserve to be in third year. Yeah, exams have been canceled. Well, what the bitch were I studying for then? That's what Hermione was like. She yeah, was like, she was the only fucking she was the only fucking responsible one. And she was like petrified for two weeks. Oh. Huh. Yeah. But no, um, my this God, is fucking bullshit. Fucking... These motherfuckers are going to get once these fuckers stop going to this fucking private school and go to like a public go to like a public institution. 
They're going to be fucked. There is ex- there is actually one teacher there that is competent. And his name is Severus Snape. I wouldn't I'm not too sure about that cuz he does have a personal grudge against the student for something his dad did. Yes, but he never actually exerts any kind of dominance over the student outside of his normal boundaries because of that bias. In the he first could in- fail Harry at every turn. In the but first, he gives him a fair chance. In the first movie, doesn't he publicly shame him in front of his class for writing down what he was saying? Yes. In the first, in the first book, in the very first book, he publicly shames Harry for taking notes in the first day and then never again. Uh, and he picks on Harry in front of the class. However, he does not deduct points. He does not grade him unfairly. He he may be an asshole. But he is actually a competent teacher who actually expects his students to pass. Fair enough. And <laughs> I will can, say, though. cannot be said for anyone else. Yes, he is the, he is the best on-books teacher. But he's still not that great of a teacher considering the fact that, like, again, publicly shaming his students for something his dad did. Yeah, no. Like, like he has a bias. I'm not going to try and defend that at all. <laughs> but, but I but will. Actually, I will say he actually does just straight he, up like he. he actually, is, he's one of the few people he, in the school who fucking teaches them something. He is the best teacher in book one and okay. two. In book one and two, he is the best teacher because he's the only one who fucking teaches them. And when people fuck up, he's actually like, "Hey, we should properly punish them because <laughs> they're being stupid." Yeah. Unless like, they're in his house, which I'll I'll forgive bias for his own favorites, but like every teacher does that. Um, and then we get into the later books. In the third, like from the third on, like the defense against dark arts teacher, excluding excluding Umbridge, is kind of the best teacher because even Mad Eye Moody, who is another person, is a competent teacher. Yeah, he's still teaching them shit. <laughs> Like he teaches them well, punishes them when they break the rules. It's like he's a bad guy yeah. who's a better teacher than every other teacher there. Yeah, it's, it's like get your fucking act together, Hogwarts. Yeah. It says something bad about your institution when the best teacher in your year is a guy who tortures one of his students by making it, by making him watch an insect suffer the same curse his parents did. Yeah. Um, and that's really all I've been watching because I haven't had time. Does to Hogwarts watch have a PTA? Yes, they have a council of governors, 12 people who basically decide what goes on at school. So they're the parent-teacher organization. They are, have ultimate authority at the school. Are those school. governors actually parents? One of them is. Lucius Malfoy is one of the gover- governors, and he is. I, we don't know anything about any of the others. And I'm pretty sure they were only introduced so that Lucius Malfoy could get Dumbledore out of the school for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, in other news, children, I will be exiting the school for a while. I must talk to the governors. Who the fuck are they? They run the school. The fuck have we heard about them before? Shut up. Ten points from ten points from Hufflepuff. Hey, what the bitch? <laughs> oh god. Um. But in, I, all, in all seriousness, I fucking love Harry Potter, the world, the characters. 
it's hard to go through as an adult. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, mainly because like you like like when you were a kid, you're able to kind of like shut off the part of your mind that was like, or like you didn't, or you might not have had the part of your mind where it's like, wait a minute, that's stupid. Like, the worst part is in other books, I can justify the kids being turned into child soldiers. And like, I, like I can at least argue it away for myself. Like in the Percy Jackson books, their parent, the, their demigods who are being trained to be heroes. While it's terrible that it's happening, I can understand the gods having their children fighting their battles for them. Yeah, like we have okay, like explanations, not good reasons, but explanations that I, like I can't argue against. Yeah, the gods seem like the kind of people that would make child soldiers. Yeah, I'm not even gonna argue that because <laughs> it's not wrong. Um, but then you got Harry Potter. Yep, which is just where where they are ostensibly students learning how to just like be adults. There's not even a war to justify it. Yep. All right, kids, welcome to third grade. Today we're gonna be learning about the Glock 19. Basically, they learn a they learn Avada Kedavra. In fourth year, wait, what? They, they may not be they may not be able to do it, but every student in that Defense Against Dark Arts cast learned how to cast every single one of the Unforgivable Curses. That was fourth year, you said. Mm-hmm. That's the Triwizard Tournament, isn't it? Yeah, that or was. Do the, I have my yeah, years mixed no, up? it's the Goblet of Fire. Yep. Was that like a? Was that like a? That was evil Moody trying to corrupt his students. Okay. I was just going to, I was going to, okay. Yeah. That was evil Moody. Like, do you think but, that was on the, you think that was on like the syllabus? Like, I like, wouldn't be surprised if it was like, like, like you pull, I wouldn't be surprised if that was from original Moody's notes. Yeah. Like that, that was actually, that actually be hilarious. It's like, all right, kids, welcome to fucking grade 10. Today you're going to learn how to murder. Yeah. I mean, it's a fucking wonder that there's not more bodies. Because this entire school structure is, hey, let's tell them not to do things that kids will inevitably try to do, and then watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hogwarts is built in a foundation of dead children. And I want to enjoy it so much. Wait for that. Like, essay, wait, for, wait for that fucking essay to come out in Pottermore. These 19 uh, characters you didn't know were gay are actually gay. Also, so many dead children. <gasps> sorry, JK, but gotta be real here. You killed off a lot of kids in the background that you didn't even acknowledge. Every day in Harry Potter is a very special episode. <laughs> Alright, children, now remember, don't climb in this magical refrigerator. Help, I'm stuck in the magical refrigerator. What the fuck did I say? Ten I points to Gryffindor. you. <laughs> Oh, and fuck the point system and the house system. That's just the worst fucking thing. It's like, hey, let's, instead of instilling a system of cooperation and camaraderie amongst our highly magical community that is Bitter having rivalry. troubles keeping population up, let's establish from early on that everyone thinks those guys are evil, those guys are easy to manipulate, those guys are the nerds, and those guys are the jocks. There are exactly four personality types you can be in this school. You can be brave and courageous, you can be lazy but kind, you can be a fucking nerd, or you can be a Nazi. 
Which is why so many fan fictions just are like, yeah, those are just kind of vague outlines, and most of the people in most of the houses are just normal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I fucking love Harry Potter, but dear God. Like, dear God. Hmm. Any hoozle. That's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> For those who are wondering, I'm just sending dead man gifts from related to Harry Potter now. Yeah, just, just sending you weird Harry Potter gifts. So, that's what we're watching then. On to news. So, this season of Arrow is the final one, except guess the fuck what? What? It's not. After Arrow wraps up, there's going to be a new series called Green Arrow and the Canaries. It's a spinoff-ish, sequel-ish series that is female-led. In the last couple seasons, they have been showing a future-ish thing with the daughter of, I believe it's the daughter of, like, Oliver and Felicity. I think that's who that is. Yeah, it is. Yep, daughter of Oliver and Felicity, uh, Mia, as she becomes the Green Arrow and then teams up with two black canaries. I truly wish that I could just respond to all of this by sending you Snape gifts, but sadly we're recording an audio-based podcast, not a video, so it doesn't work that way. Yeah. (laughs) I really wish that I could just... (laughs) I I don't know how to respond to this. It's like, hey, let's not actually give up on garbage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's take let's make a series fronted by that girl from Shadowhunters who failed to act at nothing. Like that that will always be my fucking that will always be the thing that stands out in the most in my head when I see this fucking actress. And it's unfair towards her. I completely understand that. But just the very awkward I am being I am being I'm being mean to I'm being mad at someone who isn't there. Is just the is just she fucking was so bad in that show. That show was so bad. Fuck fuck Shadowhunters. I don't even know what that is, so it's a TV series based off of the books that made up the City of Bones. Ah. His mortal instruments? Is that I, it? I don't know. I'm actually looking at something now. I want to fucking Oh, the mortal instruments. Right, yeah. The main character's name was fucking Clary. They, fuck, goddamn. They made a fucking movie about that. That was supposed to be part of a series. It failed, so they made a TV show about it. That ran for three seasons and ended this year. God damn it. 
Anyway, so yeah, this is going to be a thing. Uh, it, so the thing was announced by Mark Guggenheim, uh, one of the showrunners on Arrow, as he tweeted out a comic book style cover of the Lady Green Arrow and then two Black Canaries. Oh, are we ready for more garbage? I fucking God, Jesus Christ. I do not understand how Arrow is still going. Or like, I, I, like how it made it this far, I mean. Like, Jesus Christ. I I don't know either. <laughs> it's like, I stopped watching an age ago, so I don't know if they've tried to improve at all. Yeah, like, I think the only show part, like, I have been thinking about getting back into watching Supergirl. Like, I don't know, I don't really, like, I don't know why, like, I mainly fell off because I was just kind of, like, bored with it. It didn't get, like, super bad or anything. I just kind of got bored with it. But the only shows, the only shows that, like, like, they're going with this that I'm still, like, actively interested in is just Legends of Tomorrow. Which is the show that the network seems to care the least about. Yeah. Still enjoyable, though. Yeah, it's, it's fucking great. Because the network give because the, the network doesn't give a shit about them. They kind of do whatever they want. Yep. Which is fucking fantastic. But anyway. Let's hope the network continues to not realize that it's their best show so that we can continue having good quality show. Yes, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. But anyway. Oh, my back. <laughs> so, moving on to our next piece of news. So, recently, voice actor Rob Paulson released a memoir called Voice Lessons. How a couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky, and Animaniacs saved my life. The book, cool. um, the book is about his struggle, his battle with throat cancer, as well as talking about his time voicing Yako Warner, Pinky the Lab Mouse, and Raphael the Ninja Turtle. Bunch of stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and in that book, he also talked about how Animaniacs is coming back. Because Animaniacs is coming back. Yeah, it was shortly after the book was uh, released. Uh, it was tweeted out by the by uh, on, on Twitter. We are very pleased to finally see in print today. Yako Pinkies, uh, that's that's, brought, that's Rob Paulson's Twitter handle. Voice lessons. The original voice cast of Animaniacs is indeed working on, on the upcoming reboot because it is going to. Be, yeah, they are working on a full on reboot of Animaniacs. That is going to be interesting. Yes, um, I believe it is going to be a Hulu series. With I ain't a, got no problem with that. With a two, it's already got a two season order in. Because they're not idiots. Yep. Uh, the series is going to be um, helmed by Wellesley Wild, who is a who worked previously on Family Guy. He was a writer and producer for several episodes of Family Guy, and he is. That is actually a bit of a death knell for me. Uh, and then Spielberg um, will also be on serving in the executive producer role, alongside Sam Register of Warner Digital Series, along with Warner, uh, Warner Digital and Amblin Television co-presidents Justin Falvey and Daryl Frank. And with that, also the entire voice cast is coming back. 
So everyone who you, everyone who you loved from uh, from like old Animaniacs, um, Jess Harnell, uh, Tress McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, a bunch of other ones I'm fucking forgetting. Uh, yeah, they're all coming back. Which I'm hopeful for, I guess. Like I'm at the very least, I'm fucking interested. Which more like I can say for a lot of fucking reboots of shit nowadays. Yeah, no. It... <laughs> <You're> just nothing. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. It's like, yeah, I agree with you. Yep. So, moving on from there. Uh, the Robert Pattinson Batman movie still exists. I'll give him a chance. And they also have one of their villains. Ooh. Yes, Paul Dano, uh, who you previously seen in the Kick-Ass movies and Prisoners, I guess. Well, I hated the Kick-Ass movie, so... He was also in Little Miss Sunshine. Never seen it. It's really good. And he's really good in it. Okay. Wait, was he in the Kick-Ass movie? Never mind, not in the Kick-Ass movies. I was thinking of someone else. This is a All very right, similar my face. My opinion of him has, ri- has risen. Uh, yes, I'm trying to. I'm trying to just look up stuff that I that he's been in the, of note that you might know. Uh, Swiss Army Man. I haven't seen it, but I've seen trailers and uh, reviews of it, and it looked brilliant. Okay, yeah, he's, he was the main guy in Swiss Army Man. Oh, he's great. Because yeah. I've seen I've seen some of his acting. He's great. Yeah, so he's been cast this as the Riddler. <gasps> oh my god, that might actually be really good. <laughs> uh, this comes alongside other announcements of Zoe Kravitz being cast as Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz. Yes, daughter of Lenny Kravitz. Hmm. Who was also an actor? Who's also an actress? Who was in stuff? Most, I'm googling her. Most recently, you just uh, continue doing the news. Please continue doing the news. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. So this also comes um, on the heels of well, this also comes uh, not long after some other news came out of Jonah Hill, who had been in talks to join the movie as an, in a villain capacity, uh, falling through. Hmm. Yeah. This I I do not know how to feel about this fucking movie. Because like on the one hand, it has a strong cast. Like Robert Pattinson, whatever you want to say about the fucking Twilight movies, the dude is a good actor. Hell, fucking talking about goddamn Harry Potter. Fucking he was great in that, Cedric Diggory. And he has kind of been just like getting in better and better, like getting like higher and higher profile, higher and higher profile roles. Zoe Kravitz is fine, the one I've seen her in. Outside of She was in, uh, she was in uh, Fury Road. Oh, right. Yeah, fuck. She was one of the wives. She was one of the wives. Yeah, fuck. For some reason, the only thing I was thinking of when I saw her was like, oh, yeah, right. The fucking Divergent movies were that were a thing. She was in fucking After Earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't she? Let me just review this terrible movie real quick. Yeah, wasn't she like? James? I think she was like the sister. The sister. Yeah, I was going to say. 
Yeah, so she, she's Catwoman. Um, Jeffrey Wright, another great actor. He's Commissioner Gordon. Uh, it's being directed. Well, she's beautiful and she's been good in what I've seen her in. Yeah. So it's being directed by Matt Catwoman. Reeves, who is a really good director. Oh, she was fucking Angel in fucking X Men First Class. She was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This movie has good things behind it. Yeah. Maybe it'll be good. Who fucking who's the fucking writer on this? Is that a death knell, Dad? <laughs> I'm fucking finding out. <laughs> All right, written by Matson Tomlin alongside Matt Reeves. Because so far have... everyone who's in it has been has been good. So from Matson Tomlin, you said? Yeah, from looks of it, he has had one major film. One ma- he's written one major film and a bunch of shorts. With the feature film being The Projectionist from 2008. According to IMDb, unless I got the wrong... I might have probably got the wrong guy. Matson Tomlin? Yeah. M-A-T-T-S-O-N Tomlin. Yeah. According to the IMDb I brought up, he's known for Little Fish. Uh, that movie isn't out yet. Okay. It is in post-production. If you scroll down a little bit. Okay, yeah, I see it now. Well, I have I have seen nothing that he has done. Yes, because we don't watch a whole lot of short films. Well, anyway. hopefully those are good. Because <laughs> I have no basis to love or hate this guy. Yeah, I, do. I don't know. But it's still... A live-action DC movie being made today. Oh yes, no, I reserve so there has all been, rights to bitch about it forever. Yeah, so it is. It is starting at a. It's starting at a floor of no faith and slowly building faith with the people in it. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, the Batman is currently set for release on June twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. So we got some time. Speaking of time, you better have some fucking time on your hands to watch all the fucking shit that's going to be coming out of Disney Plus on launch. Like, god damn it. There is an idiotic amount of stuff. Which, I, it worries me. When we go, hey, here's everything coming to this, coming to this um, fucking, coming to this company exclusive this production company exclusive service and it's fucking so much shit and they got shit coming out that was originally aired in the 40s like in yeah. the 30s too I'm wondering how much of their catalog that I have been crying for them to re-release they're actually going to put on there Um, like are they going to put Darkwing Duck in order on there what about the Mighty uh, Ducks cartoon series? Because I know they're not doing the movies. So, Darkwing Duck's on there. Mighty Ducks, the series, is on there. Why? I was trying to avoid giving myself reasons to buy it. Anything else you want to know? Kim Possible? Yep. Wait. Yes. I was double-checking because it, because it auto... Because, like... So there were three. Recess. So there were three Kim Possible things on here, and it auto filled to the live action movie. Recess. Uh, 
Yes, as well as the movies. Fuck! Now I have to. Now I have to convince myself not like God. It's oh my God! Why? Why Disney? You you got everything that I actually wanted. Because they own <laughs> so everything. Infuriating. So infuriating. Yes, the reason they have that is because they own everything, dude. I know. It's, why couldn't they have released it on DVD already? Because if they released it on DVD, then people wouldn't sign up for their fucking streaming service. Maybe I'll ask a friend to buy me a subscription for a few months for my birthday or something. I, you can't hear it, but I have my finger up to my nose in the not it sign. <laughs> not you. <laughs> I don't expect you to buy me presents. You're in Canada. <laughs> And I have friends who actually have jobs. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so the Disney Plus streaming service. Yeah, this was all announced over Twitter, by the way. With the Disney Plus Twitter account just putting out a thread of 300 plus tweets. Well, now to tell my wife and then convince her it's a bad idea because we don't have money to spend. And then convince her dad to buy it instead. <laughs> it is $7 a month. Oh, but that's so much money. <laughs> <laughs> we just got out of paying a monthly fee. Yes, yeah, so. It is set to launch globally on November 12th. Um, you can find lists all over the goddamn internet. I'm not going to read off every single one because, again, it's more than 300. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but so. the full U.S. launch lineup is available out there for stuff. Oh, man. I am so tempted. You finally got my interest dead, and I don't want you to. Not for this. Oh, man. Yeah, why, why was... Why was <sighs> what? Why was this the one thing you had things... Never mind. Because it's Disney. I want to fucking give them more of my money. <laughs> they're fucking corporate fucking monopoly assholes who refuse to let things go back into public domain. Yes, they're a nightmare. I hate them, but they have so much I love. Yes, because they're a nightmare. Yeah, they have, they have a bunch of the X-Men TV shows on here, too. Motherfucker. Like the original X-Men, X-Men Evolution, Wolverine and the X-Men. God damn it. I love X-Men Evolution. Was that the 1979 Spider-Woman TV series? The movie? What the fuck is what? this? Yeah, the 1997 Spider-Woman movie. There was apparently a 1997 Spider-Woman movie. Oh, Sorry, I bet they had a bunch of the Avengers cartoons, too. Sorry, 1979. 1997. Nine, 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 I'm a fucking idiot. I, I got, got dyslexia. Yeah, and they also have a bunch of National Geographic shit on there. They have Star Wars, just just Star Wars. Yeah, this this list is ridiculous. It just keeps going. It doesn't stop. This is fucking nightmarish. Oh, and then also all of the Simpsons. Just Seasons 1 through 30 of The Simpsons. On Disney? Yeah, they own Fox. Oh, yeah. 
Remember that whole thing when we were freaking, when I was like freaking the dick out and everyone was like, oh my God, we're finally going to get this stuff in the Avengers. And we're all, and everyone else is like, this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Monopoly assholes. Fuck, man. Well, on the upside, if you get to this early subscription, you might be able to just have access to it once they raise the price because they control every streaming service in the world. <sighs> I, I don't I don't know anymore, man. That does it for news. New releases, fucking nothing anyone cares about. Actually, that's just a straight up lie, actually. There are fucking... There are actually a couple things that people might care about. Such as... So this week, Zombieland Double Tap. Eh. Apparently the sequel people have been clambering for. Eh. Despite everyone hating Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Uh, fucking Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Eh. I was Maleficent any good? It was okay. I've been meaning to see it. I just haven't got around to it. It was okay. It seems neat. It was a live-action Disney film that focused on some elements that I really like, and I feel that the new Maleficent film is taking that and just throwing it in the garbage can. Yeah, but like with that original one at least. Yeah, the original one. It was interesting. Yeah, that was, was the okay. only that's the only live action Disney anything that I've seen that I've looked at and gone, that looks different. It was okay. I've also heard it described as basically a Disney rape revenge movie. Yes. Straight up yes. Which that's a fucking thing. Yeah. That is a new thing that we haven't fucking seen before. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Like, I'm going to keep saying that the movie was okay, because I don't think it like deserves a mountain of praise, but I also don't think it was a bad film. Yeah. It's unique as fuck, but it's okay. Yeah. I was going out this week, uh, The Lighthouse, new art house film with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Yeah, you could have just stopped at art house film, because I'm already out the door. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, a what? really neat looking idea for a fucking movie. It is a comedy movie about a kid in the Nazi youth in 1942. Oh, yeah, that. And his life with his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a weird one. I really want to see it. Yeah, that's a weird one. I'm curious about it. Taika Waititi is really funny. And the trailer trailer looked looked good. I I really like the trailer. Oh, then also... This week, fucking the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. That's out. It's weird to me that this that people cared about this. You can't even be bothered to pretend to respond. Okay then. <laughs> No, I didn't like the original movie, so I don't have an opinion on this one. Yeah, fair enough. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back at some point with fucking more of this. I'm back, guys. I know you missed me. Or you missed actually having these out regularly at the yeah, very least. Yeah, you missed having a show. <laughs> and I'll be back in the games podcast next week to talk about stuff. Fuck, I haven't played anything. <laughs> well, we'll be back to talk about China a bit. 
China? Yes, we'll get into that in the game podcast. Oh, no. And I'll also tell you about it after this. But anyway, thank you for joining us. We'll be, like I said, we'll be back at some point with this nonsense. Until then, though, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. <laughs>